Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to On the Block. He's Strick, Austin Norman. It is a Tuesday. Hope that all of you enjoyed a wonderful time with your families and loved ones over the holiday, and you are now recuperating from all of the food that you partook in and all of the fun times that your kids had you running around early, early, early in the morning. Uh, So we're grateful that you guys are joining us here on the block today. We know that it is. Some of you had to go back to work today. Some of us are back at work right now. (laughs) We're back at work. And um, but as you prepare for the new years, be careful out there. Obviously, the snow as well as the ice in the build up there. You guys be safe on the roads. But we're going to get into a follow up of the weekend. How did you do on your picks, Austin? Um, funny enough, Nick neglected to go over them. I think he's waiting for Rico to get back. So we I, oh. I don't know. I don't remember what I picked before uh, the weekend. So TBD. To be determined. And listen, uh, some of them over this weekend, Austin, would would find that this weekend was very tough on them. It was not one that they would uh, like to look back on and say that the holidays was giving and giftful. Well, (laughs) they they received any gifts, let me Mm -hmm. say that, from this weekend. And uh, we're going to get into it because we definitely went over it in talking about some of the teams that we thought some of the games that we thought would be good as well. But um, one that I found very interesting, uh, obviously it was quarterbacks that they're still trying to figure out and find out who's going to be the one that's going to lead the way for them. And that was the Bengals and the Steelers. It was a big game for both of those teams, which the Steelers just literally ran away with it at home, 34 to 11. How, I, you know, what's your initial take on that? I mean, let, let, let's just be real about it. It didn't look good. Jake Browning, you know, had a big night as far as yards, but the three interceptions looked like they were costly, and it, and mm-hmm. it really cost that uh, the the uh, the Bengals team uh, a loss on the road. It, it kind of reminds me of some of the early 2010s Purdue teams. You know, they, they chucked the ball all around the yard, but didn't play much defense and didn't always put up a lot of points. Despite all the despite all the yardage, so Browning is you know, who we thought he was, he's fine. Just a guy, kind of replaceable. But this, to me, Strick, is a bigger statement for our boy AD's Steelers. The The interceptions are huge. The defense came up big time and time again. But I think this was a Mike Tomlin win in some ways. Because you think back two weeks ago, there's that clip of uh, Pickens not blocking as Pittsburgh's trying mm-hmm. to run it in for a touchdown down near the goal line. His excuse is, well, I didn't want to get hurt. Other guys have gotten rolled up on... Uh, so I thought he could make it in, so that's why I didn't block. Didn't want to get hurt. A lot of coaches, I don't think would handle that well. They would bench a guy. They would chew him out. They would get after him. But this is where I think you can still see that Mike Tomlin does have that that secret sauce when it comes to relating with players. Because what does he do? He trusts George Pickens. Says, okay, go play through it, right? You've got to be better, but go play. Four catches, 195 yards, two touchdowns. For the young man in a situation that a lot of coaches, I don't think, even put a receiver back in on. So I give a big credit to to Mike Tomlin, uh, George Pickens for responding to his coach's challenge. And then that defense. It remains that defense. Still one of the best players on earth in T.J. Watt. Heck of a win for the Steelers to keep them in playoff contention. 
Yeah, I mean, I shout out to AD. I mean, he called it. He was advocating for that win the whole way, all week, and and uh, they were able to get it done. It looked very good in doing it. And as we move along, uh, another big win because we didn't know where this team was going, Austin. We didn't know we didn't know how this team was going to fare at the way that they went on a huge roller coaster ride um, at different parts of the season, where literally people were starting to write them off, but come up with two big wins. Uh, both on the road where they come into Dallas, get a big win, and then they go on the road against the Chargers, who is mm-hmm. not very playing very well, had a fight, but fought through it. And it didn't even have to use Josh Allen's big arm like crazy. Again, something to monitor. We've talked about this, the high targets for Stephon Diggs, Low low reception numbers, mm-hmm. low yards total, but they're having other guys step up. Shout out to Gabe Davis, who came up big for them. Four catches for 130 on six targets. And that was huge because Josh Allen was just efficient. He didn't have to throw it all over the lot. They got 105 yards in the rush game. James Cook is continuously looking you know, like, like their go-to guy as far as getting it done in the run game. And shout out to Easton Stick. I mean – he didn't do anything to hurt the team, but kept him in the game, gave him a good opportunity to win it. You, you know, he's, he's a guy that we we remember well mm-hmm. you know, coming out of, uh, you know, North Dakota and out of Omaha. And, uh, even. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, straight from us, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, we could have used him you know, quarterback <laughs> like that down in Nebraska, but they got a big win and that's huge for them. When they look at the prospects of, uh, you know, the playoff picture. It's big for Buffalo, not only for their own sake, but also because Indianapolis lost, because Houston lost, and because Cincinnati lost, right? Cleveland picked up a win. Pittsburgh picked up a win. But Buffalo is still just hanging around the, the fringes, the periphery of that, that wild card race. They're the sixth seed after, after this week, which as of now, sets up a matchup with the Chiefs if things continue to play out this way. So we get, you know, Mahomes versus Allen yet again. It's fascinating that Buffalo is still able to win despite Stephon Diggs not having a 100-yard game in like his last 9 or 10 games. That's crazy. Yeah. He's, the, he's the headliner of that skill position core and just not much doing there. So that's a big credit to McDermott, to that defense, even to, to Josh Allen to some degree for finding ways to win. Buffalo wasn't doing that early on. They had a great point differential. They would do pretty much everything right, be in games at the end, but then, you know, one mistake would would undo them or they'd have a lot of mistakes that one player would try to superman them back into the game with a lot of times that was josh allen who despite buffalo being nine and six is still putting up good numbers hasn't to me been the reason that buffalo is necessarily struggling he was solid against the chargers credit them for for putting up a fight this is one that buffalo needed to have given how the rest of the weekend ended up unfolding i don't think i'm nearly as afraid of buffalo right now as i am say, the Los Angeles Rams, who are really rounding into form. Buffalo's still got some issues to figure out. But Buffalo might be starting to get hot at just the right time. And you just spoke about that very tough, tough loss uh, for the Colts. You know, didn't look very good at doing it. Mm -mm. Uh, Arthur Smith's, um, you know, goal was to help the, uh, the Falcons to stay relevant in the NFC South because it's, it's like up in the air for that mm-hmm. whole division. But uh, so we don't we don't really have to talk too much about that. We know just how hard the Colts are not going to take. <laughs> they're not going to take that very well, obviously, and Colts fans, I'm sure. I mean, you're welcome to talk about it if you want, because I was going to move on and talk about the Seahawks. Big win. Colby mm-hmm. Parkinson with a 
clutch TD catch that gave the Seahawks uh, the lead in that game. Uh, Geno, Geno Smith back with two TDs, no interceptions. Uh, Derrick Henry's doing Derrick Henry type of stuff. It was a good game to watch, physical back and forth. But ultimately, the Seahawks pulled that one out. Also needed it, right, to stay in the fringe of that playoff yeah. race right now. So you're seeing right now, Strick, it's, it's not as simple as who wants it more, right? There's so much more that goes into it. But with that win, Seattle moves into the seventh seed, right? You see Minnesota lose. You see Green Bay have a fight. Atlanta did win to stay on the outside looking in. Um, but New Orleans lost, right? These last three weeks, Strick, you don't know who, if you're a fan of a team, who else in another conference you need to be rooting for, who else in another division you need to be rooting for. So all you can do is take care of your own business. This is a Tennessee team that's fading pretty fast this year, have a lot of questions to answer uh, about their future. So credit Seattle for finding a way. Gina looked a little rusty early on, couldn't get much moving, neither side could, but you know they stuck with him. They trusted him, hung in there, those two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to end up winning the game. By the end, he looked like the Geno Smith we saw at least shades of last year. Yeah, no question about it. And as you talked about, tough loss at home. Minnesota really needed that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wasn't able to come up on it. 11-4 and Detroit Lions are doing. (laughs) They're just just trudging along. They're just continuing to win games. And when you think about it, they're one of the teams that just usually doesn't do well normally if you just look at their collective overall Mm -hmm. record on on, – uh, Christmas Day games is just <laughs> it's horrendous, but at the same time, there it looks like they've turned over a new leaf. They're now at eleven and four. They're leading the pack there in that division. No one can catch them. They are going to lead that division, and so now, does this put them? Are you are you feeling more confident in golf because they've got what they need? The running game is solid. Uh, Jameer Gibbs is solid mm-hmm. there for them, and then. Um, uh, Amon, Amon, uh, Ross St. Uh, Brown is, is been a consistent guy mm-hmm. for them as well on the receiving end of things, but shout out for even Nick Mullins, even though he had four interceptions, just listen, he still was, was putting it up in the air to give them a chance to win 411 yards. Just, oh, just tough to overcome four interceptions in that game. It, it really is. And Justin Jefferson took a shot they, they went to him at the end of the game to try to tie it up. I don't, Blame Nick Mullins for trying to force feed the best player, maybe the best receiver in the NFL, depending on how you stand on that. I get why you go to him, but credit Detroit for making the play, which is what the Lions have done, right? They've won their fair share of close games this year. To lock the division up with two weeks to go is a testament to Dan Campbell and that whole team. Um, congrats to them on their first division title since like 93. That's a long time coming. Is Jared Goff the, the guy for them long term? I don't know, because we saw the last time Jared Goff was you know, looking like a, a system quarterback. What happened in the Super Bowl? The Rams got there against the Patriots, and the Patriots shut him down. So at some point here, Strick, if Detroit wants to be taken seriously as a contender, Jared Goff is going to have to make some out-of-system plays, some plays he hasn't made before to prove that he has that arm talent, that he has that moxie to carry a team through. But what you're seeing is Jared Goff can be you know, a really good regular season quarterback, is a guy that you can pile up regular season victories with, and now a couple of division titles. So big credit to him and that staff for finding a game plan that works for him, for believing in him, surrounding him with the talent. But now, Strick, with the playoff spot locked up, this is where Jared Goff starts to answer all the questions about him. No doubt about it. Um, we'll skip over a couple of games. You know, teams is really irrelevant. We know that the Jets are eliminated. We know Panthers are eliminated. Commanders are eliminated. Mm-hmm. 
they play tough games, uh, but at the end of the day, the not really much relevancy in the in those in those games. But but the Browns though, the Browns under uh, Joe Flacco, <laughs> what a name that comes out of nowhere, right? Joe Flacco, who kind of comes out of like the Undertaker, basically, <laughs> and comes out of the grave and and is now leading this team, the Cleveland Browns, and getting it done on the road against the Texans, obviously without uh, C.J. Stroud, but they get it done, thirty six to twenty two in that win there. Um, you know, Flacco, you know, couple interceptions, but look, Amari freaking Cooper. I mean, gee, 11 catches for 265 and two TDs. There was nothing that Texans defense could do with him and he gets it done. 11 for 265 and two touchdowns was basically the difference in my fantasy football flame out. So big shout out to my brother who had Amari Cooper on his team for that. But again, a win the Browns needed to have, but also a game the Texans needed to have. Two teams that are fighting Mm -hmm. for playoff position. Uh, Houston losing makes me feel slightly less bad about Indianapolis losing. Same with Jacksonville. He lost to to Tampa Bay. So as a Colts fan, I'm okay with those two results, which the Colts could have taken advantage. But how about Joe Flacco? Can't spell Joe Flacco without E-L-I-T-E. First time in his career strike with three straight 300-yard passing games. He's 38 years old. Amari Cooper's that yeah. dude. David and Joku is solid. We know it's a good offensive line and a solid ground game. And they have, you know, a top five defensive player in football in Miles Garrett. They can wreak havoc up front. I don't want to say Cleveland's got it all put together. They're still the Browns until they prove otherwise. Cleveland, though, if they found the answer at quarterback, if Joe Flacco, you know, can be himself, be accurate, hit the big shot when it's available, avoid backbreaking mistakes. Cleveland's going to be a tough out in the AFC. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's that's true, especially with that defense. And if he can stay solid, and uh, they they could be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, two games left. I want to just throw out there. One was a huge one. You know, your boy early this morning was running around the station, absolutely excited because they took down the Cowboys on a last second field goal to win that game. It was a good game, back and forth. But at the end of the day, the fans were able to pull it out 22 to 20. Um, does this change anybody's feeling about the Cowboys moving forward? Or do you feel they got a turnaround opportunity there for them um, as they prepare for the for the playoffs as they approach us? I think this is just a solid football game, you know, between two good teams that both had something to prove. Dallas gets the two game losing streak. Miami doesn't. Big credit to Miami for for winning that game, pulling it out when it didn't look good late, right? Dallas goes ahead, Dak throws the touchdown to Cooks over Jalen Ramsey, right? You think that's a big moment. If Miami's best defensive player wasn't able to get that stop, you tended to think that things were trending Dallas's way. Credit to him, credit the rest of that offense for putting that drive together to go down and and get the game-winning field goal all kicked. I'm still not completely sold on either of these teams, but this was a a pretty high-level football game. You know, despite the 22-20 to 20 score, both defenses showed up and played pretty well for the most part. Both quarterbacks were solid. This was just a good football game between two good teams. So that's a tough one to have this late in the year. Um, I think Miami obviously feels better finding a way to, to get the home win and trying to keep pace with Baltimore there uh, for the one seed in the AFC. Dallas, you know, already clinched a playoff spot. So now it's just seeding. Will they be able to uh, hold off? the Eagles in terms of the division race. This game didn't really impact too much for either team because it was an out-of-conference game. But you like to see that for Miami. You know, finally beat a team with a winning record. 
And even though it was at home, I think that's a big step for that team. Um, we talked about this, and I, I've got to get to these last two because we've talked about how beneficial the Chiefs were in getting by with winning with Kelsey being their sole you know, guy that they would mm-hmm. go to when when it when it all was needed to get wins. It's starting to catch up with him, right? Mahomes is only goes for 235 yards, but he slung that thing 44 times in a game. And yet and still, they're not able to come up with a couple of fumbles. They've had some turnovers that cost him. Uh, Mahomes, for some reason, feels very prima donna-ish in this, but a 20-14 to 14 loss to a rival is, uh, is tough, especially at home. And does this give life to the Raiders or is Mahomes and, and the Chiefs pretty much uh, done easy as far as they need to make some uh, some huge and drastic changes? I, I think, yeah, I think both things can be true. Oakland, or, eh, Oakland, Las Vegas hangs around the fringes of the playoff race. They get a divisional win on the road. Antonio Pierce has breathed life back into that franchise after the midseason firing of Josh McDaniels. Big credit to him. Curious to see where the Raiders go this offseason if they stick with him or they, they hire from the outside. I still have no idea what to make of Mahomes and the Chiefs. I think that this is just a a one-year aberration, right? Because Mahomes has never been this poor. He posted his lowest pro football focus grade of his career um, on Sunday. Or, no, just yesterday, on Monday, just yesterday. Um, you saw him have five turnover-worthy plays, including you know back-to-back plays. The fumble that was returned for the touchdown, then the pick six that looked a little funky, I know a lot of Chiefs fans are, are blaming Matt Nagy, the offensive coordinator who was the quarterback's coach, went to uh, Chicago to be the head coach, and then uh, came back to replace Eric Bieniemy. Maybe this is what uh, you know Patrick Mahomes would have looked like under Matt Nagy in Chicago. I still don't think it's anything to be worried about long-term with Mahomes. He's still the best player on planet Earth until proven otherwise. But Brett Veach and the rest of that organization, including Andy Reid at head coach, needs to take a look at that roster, needs to take a look at that coaching staff, and make sure they don't waste another year of Patrick Mahomes' prime. What better resource is there in sports than a quarterback in his prime? There's not one. Kansas City can't afford any more wasted years like this one. No question about it. And and last but not least, um, the Baltimore Ravens go on the road out to Cali in Santa Clara and steal one a big one for them mm-hmm. total implications about you know, as far as positioning in the playoffs, having home field advantage, all of that, that was huge to go in there. Plus you're possibly looking at MVP ramifications. Mm-hmm. A lot of people was pubbing up Brock Purdy talking about his numbers, where they stand and he goes in and it's like, it felt like it was, it was a tip drill. It was like a constant tip. Balls were getting tipped and put in the air and intercepted all over mm-hmm. the place. McCaffrey does what he's supposed to do. The other guys do what they're supposed to do. Big nights for George Kittle as well as Brandon Ayuk. But at the end of the day, four INTs for Brock Purdy. Does this eliminate him out of the MVP discussion? Uh, I think with this light with this type of loss, I think it does because of how bad it, it looked. I mean, you definitely have to credit Baltimore's defense, right? They made him look hesitant, unsure. They were more physical at the line of scrimmage, both in the run game and in the pass game. The timing looked off for the 49ers basically all day. 
And Brock Purdy wasn't able to overcome it. So that's a huge credit to Mike McDonald and to, to Baltimore for that. But the reason I think it takes Brock Purdy out of the MVP running is because not only did you see his teammate Christian McCaffrey still have you know a solid game get his, you saw Lamar Jackson be the best player on the field. Efficient through the air, made you know timely plays when he had to, was the leading rusher for Baltimore as well, even though you know I don't think they overused him. Had the fewest carries of anyone to, to run the ball, but the most yards. Lamar Jackson is putting together a stellar year. He's the best player on, right now, the number one seed in the AFC. So, yeah, I think the fact that Lamar Jackson showed up in this game against a still good defense, obviously aided by his own defense and getting a lot of short fields and a lot of turnovers to keep points off off the board. Just a great team win for Baltimore. Again, opposite conferences, thinking about it as a you know, potential Super Bowl preview. You can give me another game between these two teams, and I don't think it ends up with a 14-point margin. I think this is a one-score game if we get it again in a Super Bowl. These are two teams that have spent some time looking like the best team in their respective conferences. We've seen roller coasters in both of them, but right now, Baltimore's playing like the best team in football. Yeah, they look very good. And uh, that's going to end this segment right here. Any things, any thoughts, uh, any questions or concerns about what we discussed or any issues that you thought we were out of line on, 402-464-5685. You can always hit us there, or you can always show us love. We appreciate the gifting of love that you guys share with us on there and and the conversations that you spark up as well. But we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Washington State as well as Oregon State now becoming affiliate members with the West Coast, uh, the the WCC, the, the, the West Coast um, uh, Conference. Gosh, <laughs> um, you know, obviously in basketball and stuff, that'll be dope because, you know, you've got Gonzaga, you've got Santa Clara, you've got mm-hmm. some San Francisco, you've got some good teams over there. But what does that mean for the Mountain West Conference? And and I think, you know, we'll we'll debate which conference we think would be a better fit for that, that grouping. And, and does it make sense or is it worse? Who is it worse for not landing the Oregon State and Washington State? We'll talk more about that when we come back on the next break on the block right after this. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.